All right, welcome into the latest edition of Hear That Podcast, Growling. Special, special edition, because short week, so you get the big show, the big Hear That Podcast, Growling, and the Growler combined into one episode of Bengals, Browns, Battle of Ohio goodness. Isn't it great? What's up, Jay? Doing good, Paul. How are you? I'm I'm fantastic. You know, when it's Boo Week, when it's Battle of Ohio Week, uh, it's it, you know it's all excitement, and that means we get to bring in our good friend Zach Jackson, who's going to join us later from Cleveland. Who, if you enjoy reading depressing Browns stories, just stories about just a franchise who's just beaten to a pulp. Maybe you're familiar with that. Maybe you grew up a Bengals fan in the '90s, or just you've been. Maybe you've just been here the last three years. And you're just comfortable in that zone, boy. The athletic Cleveland site is full of goodness right now. You could spend a good 45 minutes just reading about how it is just things are awful for Browns fans right now. Uh, after their the thing is, you know, we 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 do the whip around every week, and and one of the things I like about that is I think all the all the guys' personalities kind of come through on that. So if if you read the whip around every week, you get kind of an idea of Zach's sense of humor, but. You'll, you'll, it'll be on full display here with, with your conversation with him. Yeah, so that's coming up later. And also really good insight on where the Browns are at. Why, While he sees them as definitely bad, he has a sliver of hope for them going forward, which is a bit rare for Zach. So uh, we'll, get into, uh, we'll get into that, why that is, and the interesting intersection of the AFC North and Baker Mayfield that keeps ending up with accidents. So uh, all of that to come. A little bit later on, we of course, we want to get into a little bit of what we learned about the Bengals' offense this weekend and what they're going to look like going forward, um, including how they utilized the LSU concepts that we've been talking so much about in the offense and what it means for Joe Burrow, Zach Taylor, Joe Burrow's pancreas, uh, <laughs> potentially Bobby Hart's future, um, a lot of things. Uh, we'll get into that. We want to talk about Randy Bullock and his calves. Uh, which is uh, where we're at with that, which has become a fun little topic. Um, we are going to have some fun. Jay's got stats and run passer boots revolving around that because the Browns also have ish- kicker issues. Clearly, they got just got rid of their guy one game in, brought Cody Parkey in. Talk about that. Uh, and a little bit more about the game, we have a game prediction, all of that stuff coming up on this episode. Let's dive in. Um, we on the walkout. We obviously talked about a lot about Joe Burrow's debut, what it looked like, and what it was. I I think the more interesting dive, and then I I wrote about um that's up on the site now is the Bengals' usage of the LSU concepts. We knew was coming. We they've been talking about this about how you know they they took his. 10 to 15 favorite concepts he was using at LSU and integrated them into the offense. Every player we've talked to on offense during camp said, yeah, it's the same stuff, except they've added some LSU stuff. Well, we saw that on full display. And while I think that's interesting that we saw it, I thought it was particularly interesting that we saw it in the biggest moments, that in the biggest moments they were comfortable. They wanted to go to what Joe Burrow was most comfortable in. And that was a lot of his LSU stuff. And that was five wide receivers Empty sets. Uh, let him stand back there and you know do use his processing. And you know, I go back. I had to pull a quote from Daniel Jeremiah from the the draft lead up season, the, the NFL Network draft guru guy. He said it was unlocking Joe Burrow's superpower when they did that at LSU last year. When Joe Brady did that at LSU, they found oh this is this is what makes him special is his ability to process, see the whole field instantly, and and utilize everyone being out in space. It actually makes for better protection than keeping extra people in because he's so good at that. We saw that at work in those last couple of drives in particular. I broke down the stats and all that stuff in the story, and you can read that and go check that out as far as how they did if in efficiency from when they had the empty set or everyone out in the route versus when they kept people in. They actually were more effective when they kept people in. But there was a chance for more explosive plays. There was more dynamic uh, possibilities when they opened it up. And we saw them doing five wide receiver sets that we just have not seen the league do, really. They ran seven plays and five wide receivers. The entire league, the last two years, no team has had more than that except for one. I mean... 
that is, I wonder how much of this we're going to see, and I wonder how safe that is when you consider Bobby Hart potentially playing next to Billy Price on Thursday. That can be a scary thing. Where do you land on this? Is this... Is this safe, Jay? Are we watching them drive the car over the cliff? I don't think it's safe. I do think it's interesting. You, you pointed out that they they did this at the most important time of the game to, to rely on Joe's comfort zone. I, I think part of it, too, was to catch the Chargers off guard. The, the whole point of, of week one, everything leading up is we talked about how our team's going to deal with the surprises that they get thrown their way, and instead of trotting that five wide out and, and using it a lot early and letting the the chargers kind of adjust mid game. They, they brought it out at the most important time of the game late. So now you say, okay, well now it's on film. So will, will they continue to use it with, with the, the Browns knowing what to look for? I think they will. It's such a short week. They, the, the Browns aren't going to have a lot of time to, to prepare for it. And as, as you guys will hear, in Paul's conversation with Zach Jackson, that the, the Browns are really hurting and thin at cornerback. So that that's something they can really exploit. And, and the other thing you are playing with fire, but I was impressed and it was nothing really new. You just wonder how it would translate at this level. But, but Joe was really able to make plays with his feet. He was able to avoid rushes and, and not just dodge the, the, the pass rushers, but he was able to get upfield and have some, some good runs. The touchdown run didn't come on a pass rush. That was a designed quarterback draw that he audibled to. But the concerning thing, and I had this in in um, the final thoughts, is he ran eight times. He never slid once. He did get out of bounds once, but he was he was taking hits, um, and, and that's that's always going to be concerning. Now, now Zach kind of said he knows how to protect himself, but you you still. Even if you're just like wrapped up and taken to the ground, that's where soft tissue injuries can, can occur. It's not the, it's not the old NFL f- hits film where you're, you're worried about that big shot. It's the, the twisting and the torque and all that on, on the body that a quarterback's not used to taking. So I, I do think it's playing with fire a little bit. I think Joe's built to, to be able to run. We see quarterbacks running more because they are smarter, but he, he definitely had some chances to to go down a little earlier in that Chargers game, and he elected to get every yard he possibly could. Yeah, and you know, getting getting those hits on top of when you are getting slammed to the ground uh, when you're dropping back a few times does does add up, and it brings us a little bit to Bobby Hart, unfortunately, who was a bit of himself out there uh, on Sunday, and and it's fairly well documented. You know, if you look at PFF, six pressures, sack, penalty, which I, by the way, some there's a uh, there's a six seasons and a movie joke somewhere in the six pressures and a penalty. Uh, <laughs> Bobby Hart stat, I think, like uh, it, it's it, it's just you expect it. it. It's just kind of like the Bobby Hart experience, um, and. But it can't be. I know it was Joey Bosa. And I know that it's Melvin Ingram. And I know the Chargers are who they are. But if this continue, how long are you going to continue with this is my question. One thing we saw from Jim Turner, the offensive line coach, and by you know extension, Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor, is a willingness to shuffle around the offensive line if they feel like it's not going well. But the, also, the other thing we've seen is kind of standing in Bobby Hart's corner consistently for whatever reason, whether it's just because they feel like they don't have any better options or whatever. How many six pressures and a penalty are you going to stick, are you going to hang through? How many games like that are you going to hang with? Um, until you pull the plug on Bobby Hart. I asked Zach Taylor basically that specific question. Um, and he said, well, he had some he had some tough moments out there for the understatement of the century. Uh, and then went on to say, you know, but everybody's got to be better. They did do better as a whole as the game went on. Did not address any specific things like that. The bottom line, though, is they had some hope for Fred Johnson before this thing started. And that has not gone away. He did start slow in camp. He never did really get into a position to challenge. But, you know, you can't help but look at now. Xavier Suofilo is going to be out for multiple weeks. So you're going to have either Billy Price or 
you know, depending on how he does, Akeem Adeniji or maybe Fred Johnson, a guard, playing there on that right side, teams are going to exploit it. They're going to go after it. They're going to see what happened, especially if Jonah Williams holds himself up okay, which Jonah Williams was okay uh, in his debut as much as you can be. And so I wonder what's going to happen there. There's not a whole lot of places to go. Fred Johnson's really the only place for them to go there. How long will it continue to be Bobby Hart, and how long can you go out there in wide open offense with 68 at right tackle? I just, I, you know, to me, that's the one thing that really holds you back in in going full out into this the new wrinkles of LSU stuff. Yeah, one of the things I wanted to watch for in Sunday's game, and then it just there's so many other things going on. It, it was it was hard to really kind of track it. It's something I plan to do. Um, after we record this to go back and watch was just how many times they gave Bobby Hart help where it, you, you put the tight end on his side and, and, and you, 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 it reduces what you want to do, putting more wide outs out there. But I, I think that is the, the mo- more important thing. Yeah. The position's going to need to be addressed at some point may not be till the off season, but you got to go with what you've got right now. And if, if he's giving up six pressures a game, you've got to figure out a way to give him help. Um, you know, we, we talked about the Fred Johnson option. It, it would, Miles Garrett didn't play last year. Obviously he got suspended for the helmet swing on, on Rudolph. So we, we don't know what that would have looked like last year with with miles garrett going against bobby hart and fred johnson on either side so this is we can probably imagine yes well it would have looked a lot like sunday i would think um so that's that's got to be a concern maybe maybe that more than anything will be what determines how much five wide we see because that it, it does feel like they're gonna they're gonna have to give bobby hart some help i i i think one of the reasons that that Jim Turner is so committed to him. And this, this bears out. If you look at the pro football focus grades, he graded really well as a run blocker. And he is big. He's athletic for his size and they like to get the ball outside. And, and that is where he's effective. And you, you probably don't get that with an Adenajai or, or with a Fred Johnson. So maybe that's what's, what's helping keep him in that position. But it will be interesting to see if, if Fred gets any snaps there or if, if Fred or Adenajai or, Billy Price starts the game at right guard because Zach has already said Xavier or Xavier. I know that people hate that one Cincinnati when you say it that way, but that is actually his pronunciation is Xavier Suafilo. Uh, Zach Taylor has already ruled him out for the game with the ankle injury he he suffered against the Chargers. So it is that is that will be one of the things to watch Thursday night is just how much they they jumble that line up and and whether the uh, all five starting linemen end up finishing the game or if they start looking at some guys and and some different options. Yeah, because, I mean, that's going to be, you know, for the second straight week, you know, strength against weakness. I mean, that's going to be where the Browns are strongest is is right up front, and they're going to try to kind of replicate a lot of what the Chargers did in the first half, and and we'll see how well the Bengals can, uh, you know, step forward in that respect. I will take a quick break here to remind you, hey, help support your local businesses. We're all about local here on HTPG. Whether they're your corner stores, your coffee spots, your favorite breweries, local business has always been on your team, supporting you and your community. Remember, your order, and they call you by name, always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. Right now, more than ever, local businesses, they need our support, so let's be there for them, everybody. Next time you go shopping, Help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your local community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be, official partner of the NFL. I now want to talk about a little bit about Randy Bullock's calves. (laughs) Uh, So, I mean... We saw the way that Sunday ended. Uh, before I dive in, Jay, you had stats. You looked up in your uh, final thoughts the number of times, I believe it was over the last decade, that someone had kicked uh, had a kick of to basically to win or take tie the game in the last couple of minutes. What was the stats on that? 
Yeah, going into Sunday, kickers had been 22 of 24 since 2011. So basically the last 10 years, uh, when they attempt a field goal inside of 40 yards in the final minute with their team trailing by one to three points. So this is, this is, you know, game on the line situations and inside of 40, you would see as a chip shot and, uh, that there were only two misses in those situations. So it was, it it just kind of defied logic that, that, Bullock would miss that kick. The Cavs thing is interesting because he he said in his post game zoom with us that it was the left, and there's pictures of him grabbing the right. But there's also if you watch the video, he grabs both, and that's weird in and of itself because I think anybody that's ever had cramps re- rarely d- do both seize up. It's usually one leg or the other. Um, so that's that's odd that that both would have done that, but that's how they listed him. I don't know if that was in reaction to, to the, all the photos of him grabbing the right when he said left, or if he, if he truly felt cramps in both calves, but you can see him kind of limping on both legs, both walking off the field. And then there was a shot of him walking along the sideline to the locker room as well. Um, it, it just, it, you, you want to believe him because he missed it so bad. It wasn't like he just kind of, hit it right on the outside of the upright. I mean, for a 31-yard field goal, it wasn't even close. So that leads you to believe that that something did happen. Um, there, there was some sort of, as he said, grabbing in his calf. But just, a, I mean, an odds-defying miss. That just doesn't happen in this league. But he's not alone. Um, one, of, one of the other things I looked at was – and, and if anybody watched the Monday night game and saw future Hall of Famer Steven Goskowski struggle like crazy, there, kickers missed all over the league. There were 19 missed field goals this week. And that's the, I went back and looked through 2000. That's the, the, the most that there's been in that time. And kickers overall made 71% of their field goals in week one. It, uh, when I said most of it, it, these are week one numbers. And it's something we talked about for every position. With no preseason game, there's there's gonna be a lot of guys doing things for the first time, and kickers certainly fall in that that realm because you're not going against a live rush when you're kicking in practice, and and really there, there's zero pressure whatsoever unless you've got you know like we saw here a couple of years ago where Jake Elliott and Randy Bullock were were battling for a job, and and those those were a little more high pressure kicks in practice, but he didn't have that this year. It was. Tristan Vizcaino was just a camp leg. He was never going to compete for the kicking job. So it, it was something we saw across the league. Um, 71% of field goals made in week one, by far the lowest uh, of the last 20 years. Yeah, Bullock had had a great day up until that point. I mean, he, he hits the 50, which is you know one of the criticisms of him. The other criticism being missing kicks and under pressure, which he had done a good job of putting to bed a little bit in the recent year or two, I would say, you know, outside of <laughs> the opener last year towards the end. But, you know, I think he'd had a lot of success in those spots. So, you know, the, it, you're right. I mean, the bottom line is this. And, and let's just forget. I mean, no one wants to read go through that on Sunday again. The bottom line is what does it mean for Thursday? What does it mean for going forward? How how much confidence can you have in Randy to go out there and, and hit a big kick again or hit any kick when you, he's got something with this like random calf seizing thing? Uh, if, you know, I would be pretty nervous uh, going into pregame warmups to hear if Randy Bullock is or is not going to be okay. You have the advantage. Here's here's something we talked about, man, way back in the beginning of camp when we were discussing the COVID rules. I thought every practice squad would have a kicker and a long snapper on it and potentially a kicker who can also punt, who's already in, who could be on your PS, who you can call up up until like right to the last minute basically. Um, because otherwise you can't just have people. You they got to go through protocols to get into your, and you you can't just bring them right up. You need multiple days. You need days to get through that. It's too late. Like it be, it's too late right now to bring Tristan Viscaino in and have him kick on Thursday. So I, I really thought that you would see sort of like the quarantine quarterback, the quarantine kicker, maybe the quarantine long snapper, and they didn't do that. They didn't keep Viscaino. I was kind of surprised by that. And now here you are, like they. 
they're just sort of in, they're in the Randy Bullock boat. And I don't, you know, I wonder if it comes down to it on Sunday, how comfortable are you trotting out guy with CZ calves? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm a little, <laughs> I'm a little nervous on that one. Not going to lie. I mean, the thing you see that in week one every year, regardless of whether there was a preseason or not. Well, there's always a preseason. This was the first year without it, but guys cramp in week one. It's hot and they're not used to it. And and we saw DJ Reader go off with cramps, but but for a kicker, it you you don't see it. And Randy said he he paid extra care to to making sure he was hydrated and in conditioning and all that because there was no preseason. So the, I guess the one thing I was just looking, the the temperature Thursday night in Cleveland is going to be around 60 degrees. So you don't have to worry about cramping, you would not think. Um, but what what about mental cramps? Because that's something people have brought up is kind of that clutch gene with Randy. And that was another thing I looked at. And this is this is really this kind of defies logic. So. In the in quarters one through three, in field goals from inside of forty five yards in his career, Randy Bullock has made ninety five percent. In the fourth quarter, eighty four percent. That's a huge drop for what is pretty much a routine field goal. And you look at the flip side that the longer, the harder field goals to make, he's way better in the fourth quarter than he is from 45 to 49. He's made 90% of his field goals in the fourth quarter, only 71% in quarters one through three and from 50 plus 27% in quarters one through three, 67% in the fourth quarter. So that, it, that it's just, those are really weird splits where maybe the longer ones where you just go out and have to blast it with the big leg and you don't think about it as much He's much better, whereas the 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 shorter ones where maybe you can get in your own head, he's he's far worse. Ten percent worse is a is a huge drop for field goals inside of forty five yards. Look, I, I've played a lot of bad golf in my life. The four foot putt with everything on the line is the hardest shot in golf. I don't care what anybody says. And I think that's what you're talking about. It's that you know you should make this. Like you know you are getting destroyed if you miss this. No one's gonna hate on you if you can't hit from fifty two. They'll be disappointed. But hey, it's fifty two, should have gotten closer, just bang it, you know, whatever. It's thirty one. You you get CZ calves. Like you just you, you sometimes you just freeze up. And that is the that is the concern, and that's why I think that's what those splits say. And we have seen Randy make kicks in big moments before, but it is interesting to look at, at the the percentage when you get into um, shorter kicks. Who knows? You, you there's lots of stuff that goes with that. Um, all I know is here's the question for you: How many kicks will we see happen? Versus how many going for it on fourth downs will we see happen between the Bengals and Browns, where both teams kicker wary right now, uh, with the Browns just getting rid of their dude. Austin Siebert deuces, see ya, one game, that's enough, and then uh, bringing in Cody Parkey. So they're 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 bringing in a guy that is off the street, and the Bengals are bringing a guy who's off the training table. Uh, and potentially off the therapist couch. <laughs> so how many times are we going to see going for it versus kicking a field goal on, on Sunday? Do you have any or Thursday? You got any guesses on that? I'm going to say more field goals because I, I think this is going to be a low scoring tight game. And that kind of lends itself to more of a, a conservative approach, the playing the field position approach. Um, I, I don't know the the Zach showed last year that he is very aggressive on fourth downs. I think they they went for it. They were among the league leaders in, in going for it on fourth down. Um, the the Chargers did it twice on Sunday, and the Bengals stopped them both times. We don't really have a we we have sixty minutes to work with on Kevin Stefanski. We don't really know what his philosophy is, but it it just feels like there's so much on the line because. Nobody wants to start 0 and 2. You, you basically end your season statistically if you start 0 and 2. It's a, another division game for the Ravens or for the Browns. It's the first 
division game for the Bengals. I just think there's going to be the, the whole shorter week thing. It's just going to be a much more conservative approach by both teams. Not that they're playing not to lose instead of to win, but I, I just think new age analytics might be out the window in this game. And, and if teams have a shot to get three points as opposed to going for it on fourth and two, fourth and three, I think we're going to see that. I think we're going to see more kicks than fourth down attempts. Well, let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into what exactly what we're going to see on Thursday. Uh, that means bringing in our guy up in Cleveland, Zach Jackson. Conversation I had with him previewing Thursday and the Browns for the entire season. Kind of wraps up our AFC North look. As uh, we, earlier, about a couple weeks ago, we went through and talked to Jeff Zrebeck, our guy in Baltimore, uh, and then Mark Caboli, our guy in Pittsburgh, um, who, by the way, warned you that Ben might look pretty good this year and then did on Monday night. Uh, Pittsburgh, you know, granted it was the Giants, but Pittsburgh looking pretty scary right now for what they're going to be in a pretty clear delineation line in the AFC North between top and bottom. So anyway, here's, a, here's my conversation with Zach Jackson as we look at what to expect from Cleveland. All right, let's take a quick break here and come back with the rest of the show. All right, I'm going to take a quick break here and talk to you a little bit about Fubo TV. If you don't know about Fubo TV, you should. They have a family plan where three people can watch all at once. So probably in different rooms. Don't talk to each other. Just watch TV and don't converse. But look, they also have a standard base plan. There's two screens at once. 15% off for your first month. You get 30 hours of DVR. That's lots of time to binge. Watch nothing but old Bengals games. Try not to get too sad. Maybe just watch from when they used to win all the time. Maybe that'll help you. Uh, and look, it's tough times for a lot of folks right now, but if you want to save money, $50 more than affordable than other cable providers, you're saving a bunch of money. Plus, they have NBC Sports, which is included on the national feed. So with the NFL season around the corner, Fubo TV will not disappoint. Stay updated on your favorite teams as well as local broadcast news. So go to FuboTV.com slash athletic today and get 15% off your first month. You won't regret it. It's FuboTV.com slash athletic. Start your first month today. All right, let's take a moment to hop in and bring in our good friend in Cleveland who has been documenting the road, the, the path, the, the, the broken dirt. <laughs> dirt. You know those, it, like in, if you drive through Kansas, our producer Cam knows about these, you get, you get off the highway and it like it just it's no longer even road. The ramp is just like dirt, and then it goes off into space. You don't know if it ever ends. I feel like that's what that's the road of covering the Browns. Often over the last, how long have you been doing this, Zach? Well, I tell people, Paul, that I'm only 25. I just look much older because I've been covering the Browns for 20. <laughs> so, yeah, um, <laughs> you know, anytime the Browns are making new history, NFL or their own. Um, at this point, it's bad. And, you know, there was just new lows. Um, on Sunday, they had a third and 41. And that that was the longest in, in franchise history. They had never done that before. So um, they, I don't know if, if Kevin Stefanski covered third and 41 on his intro interview. Well, uh, Kevin but, Stefanski is now officially the coach of the Cleveland Browns. So I know he was hired in January. And I know we lauded him through the offseason. But now he's officially the coach of the Cleveland Browns. And, and he coaches on national TV on Thursday night. He does. Uh, these two teams are going to get together. And uh, boy, you know, it's, you just know it's going to be beautiful football. You know it's going to be highly competitive whenever these two teams together. Bring the boo back. Bring the Battle of Ohio back to relevancy. Zach, that's what we need. Well, I, I need to say two things. One, like the last we saw the Browns against the Bengals, the Bengals were absolutely trucking them, right? That was only two games ago. Yes. Two, I, I really do have a level of optimism, Paul, for both teams. Um, I, you know, not, not to say that they're going to unseat the Ravens. I think the Browns saw exactly how far they, behind the division leaders they are. Um, I think eventually the Browns cleaned some things up. You know, um, the defense couldn't possibly be any worse. Like, there are some pieces. And I look at the Bengals. I see a really strong making of a passing game. You know, I, I've always been a fan of Joe Mixon's talent. And their defense, based on the last year's, couldn't possibly – last couple of years, couldn't possibly be any worse. Right? So, no. 
So, you know, it's an important game because somebody's going to get a win. Um, <laughs> and, and it's going to be an ugly game because they both had to play week one and turn around with no practice and go do this. Um, but I, so, you know, I think 20 points wins the game. I, I'm expecting a little bit of the unexpected and a lot of the ugly. But I really think, like, by the next time they do this in late October, I think one of them could be hovering around 500 or, or having won a couple of games. I really mean that. I would agree. You know, we, we talked a lot, and I'm curious how you feel like it's gone in Cleveland this year because we spent all of last year talking about rookie head coaches and the adjustment and how much time there that takes and and how, how much leash should you give. And in Cleveland, uh, there is very, very often no leash, um, <laughs> a year maybe, as we learned with Freddie Kitchens. But, you know, do you get a sense of how – Stefanski has done through, you know, obviously the challenges of a unique offseason, you know, as a new coach. And and the is the organization a little more dedicated to giving him more leash, or is that all like, well, we'll just see. I mean, it is the Browns. We, you know, they say the right things at the beginning a lot of times. How do you feel like he's handled being a new coach and where they're at with that? Well, I feel like that's an interesting question, an important question, and one you kind of answered yourself there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I think Kevin Stefanski was super impressive in his public handling of this, you know, not only difficult offseason, but unprecedented offseason uh, through all the change. I think this organization is going to handle things um, with much less ego and much more thoughtfulness, I guess. Um, in terms of let, let's be patient, let's be realistic, and let's be ready. But they had barely any training camp, Paul. They were deliberately light when they did. There was no way they were ready to play last week. Um, and, and like I said, I like the talent level to an extent. It's it's not great. Um, I, I, I had some questions about the personnel before you added in that there are new schemes on both sides, before two of their top three corners you know, were hurt before really the only linebacker that we expected to play 90% of the snaps, you know, was hurt. So they're starting center, a rock of the team who's never missed a snap in four years. You know, he didn't miss a snap, but he didn't get any practice in camp because he had his knee scope. 21 year old rookie left tackle who, by the way, never played left tackle in high school or college or any level, you know, is out there. So yeah, the, the answer on Stefanski is, um, I don't think that he was stunned that they got trucked on Sunday. I do think he felt like – he probably felt like it wasn't going to be 32 points, uh, like they weren't going to do some of the things they did. But, you know, here's where they are, and they play the Bengals at home against a rookie quarterback, and they have another home game against Washington to follow it. And if they can just be the kind of competent football team they often weren't under Freddie, then maybe they can be 2-1 and one in a week and everything's great in the world. But they certainly um, did not do a bunch of little things right and give themselves much of a chance to even compete against the Ravens. I mean, the game was over, Paul, at halftime. And I think, you know, that would have been a great situation for really to ramp up the passing offense and just kind of have your own preseason game in the second half. And they crossed the 51 times. So <laughs> um, not much progress was made. <laughs> well, you know, along those lines, I, I you know, the, I, I feel like – we're reaching a very interesting crossroads on Baker Mayfield at this point, aren't we? I mean, a, a, a defining stretch already, maybe, you know, as people were wondering, okay, there was the excuses of Freddie and it, it, it seems you wrote this up. There's a, there's a number of depressing Brown stories up on the Athletics <laughs> Cleveland site right now. Um, but I, in one of those somewhere, I, you wrote about how, you know, it was 20 months ago, as we'll see, it's a long time ago since there was all the hope and optimism about Baker Mayfield and where he's at. It, are we reaching it? Where is he at? I mean, do is there real concern about, like, is he ever going to be the guy up there right now at this point? Or is there still a lot of confidence in, in that he is and it's just an adjustment period? Um, you know how there was, like, two and a half to five years of angst involving Andy Dalton down where you guys are? Yes. Like, at least Andy had accomplished something. You know, while, while that hovered. So uh, the answer I would tell you is this, Paul. It seems ridiculous to say we're coming to a crossroads, right? Uh, you know, that stat in that story you referenced about the only quarterback in NFL history to start 30, 30 
times for the same team with four different coaches, you know, uh, brand new scheme again, brand new guys around him. As I already mentioned, the, the new left tackle, like all of this, however, he, he has regressed. And what's most alarming to me is that the way he looked on Sunday, was exactly how he looked in training camp in that not every pass was awful. Not everything was off, but man, you just didn't know when he dropped back. You didn't have any feeling of where it was going to go or how that play was going to play out. And they had two weeks after training camp, you know, at least what I'm talking about the part that we saw to get that there. So the reality is we are coming to the crossroads because this group is not married to him, even though they would like to be. And this group can easily say, and this goes back to your last question about how everything changes with the Browns. This group can easily say, look, you have two outstanding receivers. We went and got you big money, a new tackle, a new tight end, uh, used the number 10 pick on a tackle, uh, put in this quarterback friendly offense, um, try to run to make everything easy on you. And if he doesn't get much better quickly, then yes, the crossroads is here. So we're not there. We shouldn't be there. But the fact is like we're in the intersection and, and we're at fault if the truck keeps coming. <laughs> Often in Cleveland, the truck keeps coming. Uh, <laughs> there's there's it, Baltimore, the Baltimore and Pittsburgh trucks. Uh, they just keep coming through the AFC North intersection and the Bengals and Browns keep pulling out. Uh, it, I, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, I'm really curious to see you what you just mentioned about, you know, they, they spent money, they, they bring in an investment in the offensive line. Uh, I would have to go back and look when we talked last year about, you know, the concerns about, okay, yeah, if you, a lot of concerns about Freddie Kitchens never done for it, it still felt like there was some just assuming the offensive line was going to be okay last year. And obviously that came back to bite them. I mean, all amongst everything that went wrong, it seemed like the offensive line, the new one, even though with the new pieces you mentioned seemed to, to hold up. Okay. Despite as bad as they played last week. Is that fair to say? Yeah, um, you know, they're all, except for the rookie left tackle, they're all fairly experienced guys. Uh, the next youngest guy is a, is a third year guy. You have Jack Conklin, who they paid a lot of money, who's played in playoff games, first round pick, all that. And you have Batonio and Treader, who, like I said, have not missed a game in four years. You know, Batonio has been to a couple of Pro Bowls, probably been to a couple more. And Treader's kind of been in that tier where he's not a Pro Bowl player, but he's right behind it. Uh, he's the smartest player on the team. He's tough. He's, he's reliable. So, you know, I, I think Paul, I think last year with Freddie, it was like, this is too much too soon on every front and you could kind of see it coming. And then when you did see it coming, it was avalanching where this team just seems behind, um, you know, partly because of the circumstances, partly because the quarterback has, has not stepped up and partly because it, the first game just felt like every other Browns game from the last 20 damn years. So, you know, can <laughs> Can they catch up quickly? Like I said, I, I think that they, they can catch up how quickly and, you know, which warts will still be glaring. I don't know, but um, the two running backs are really good. Kareem Hunt is a brand new player this year, I think physically. And I think and in his life, um, Nick Chubb's running for a lot of dollars. He's healthy. He's strong and fast and just really, really good. Um, you know, as poorly as it went on the first play of the season, they ran right at the Ravens where everybody in the stadium knew it was coming and Nick Chubb got 11 yards. So I just think assuming they can stick with that and use that, uh, they can shorten games, they can open things up. And, and I think that's really the best way to get that offensive line going is just to run and then only kind of only pass when you need to. Uh, I, I want to, uh, how much of Sunday was the Browns defense and how much of Sunday was Lamar Jackson? Well, that, that's great. Uh, there, that's a great question. There were a couple times where the passes were so good, like I was just in awe. You know, just you watched it there, and the ball was right where it needed to be. Um, he's awesome. I don't think he even got to full tilt on Sunday because I don't think he needed to. But, yeah, um, on the first one, they had an interesting strategy where they didn't even cover Mark Andrews, but they couldn't cover Mark Andrews. <laughs> And then, you know, Hollywood Brown is healthy. He's faster. He's more confident in his second year. And that led to a point where the Willie Sneeds of the world and the Miles Boykins of the world were, um, you know, 
two steps ahead of their guys. So the Browns don't really have a slot corner. The guy they played at slot corner is Tavier Thomas, who's a special teams player who played three defensive snaps all year last year. Um, that's injury, that's circumstance, that's a couple of different things. So, you know, Tyler Boyd uh, may come to Cleveland on Thursday and end up in Canton. Uh, based on <laughs> that. Yeah, not, not a good team to go up against uh... – the bay, you know, I wrote earlier this year about Joe Burrow's love and reliance on Justin Jefferson at LSU was a product of loving throwing to the slot receiver. And Tyler Boyd is almost like a replica of that here. And they've brought so many uh, slivers of the LSU offense with them. Uh, we didn't see as we still saw A.J. Green as clearly target 1A. And I would expect that to continue to be the case. But then as the game went on and the situations got uh, – I'd say more pressing. We saw more of Tyler Boyd involved. It took it until the third quarter, but you know you could kind of see that they had as good a chemistry as as any combination in camp. Um, and so you, you, that could be something certainly to watch on Sunday. You know that everybody's going to be watching that tape and, and looking at that that position for sure. Uh, so you think the Browns over the course of the season though are are might might be okay? I, I you know. I'm curious just because, you know, you do see that where teams struggle out of the gate, particularly with new coaches, and then get it together. You're, you, why are you um, – I don't know if I call it optimism. Yeah, I'm going to stop uh, <laughs> optimism, but there's some. <laughs> yeah, at least some. Why is there some – why do you see some hope? Well, I, I think the defensive line is good enough to dominate games and to do things to like a rookie quarterback that can change games, you know, especially in a situation here, Paul, where, like I said, I think 20 points wins it. And if they do get a lead, the, the running game gets better. And I just think, you know, the full offense has not been unleashed. You know, they paid Austin Hooper a lot of money. He's a huge upgrade. He has an obvious chemistry with Baker. Well, he got two targets for 15 yards, like non-factor. Um, as I mentioned, like they haven't really gotten to the point where both running backs can play together for more than a couple snaps at a time, just because they haven't, I'm not going to say the whole offense isn't installed, but they haven't developed anything, you know, to play downhill, to, to make people respect things when Kareem Hunt is in the game at the same time. Right. Uh, Chubb only got 10 carries. That, that's not going to happen. Is that irresponsible? Is that bad coaching? Sure. But the game got away so quickly. I'm not going to roast the fans on that. Um, Chubb actually fumbled in the third quarter. He didn't come back in the game. I don't think it was disciplinary. I think it was the reality of it was time to go back to the airport and go home, right? So, um, yeah, like I said, Larry Ogunjobi's in a contract year. He looks great. Sheldon Richardson, for all intents and purposes, is playing for his contract. He's looked great in camp. Uh, Miles, you know, everybody knows his story. He had a quiet game, but um, he's not going to have a quiet game against Bobby Hart. So That's correct. Uh, <laughs> you know, I, 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 like I said – Denzel Ward, he's playing for a lot of money. He's he's a really good corner. It's just about been staying healthy for him and, and getting him in a system where he gets comfortable. I mean, this is his third coordinator too. This is what the Browns do. So, um, like I said, Paul, like they're they're they were never winning the Super Bowl, and they're probably not getting to the playoffs. But this, to me, is much more uh, an interesting slash dangerous five to seven win team than it is a total crap show that's going to be three and 13 and picking number one. Now the quarterback play could change that thought by the time we do this again, but I, I think the Browns are going to be bad. I don't think they're going to be awful, even though they were awful in week one. I will say you got, we got to be careful what we say after week one last year. I have an unfortunate on the record after the Bengals went and were super competitive and should have won in Seattle. Well, I said yeah. awful yeah. is off the table. <laughs> I don't want the. I'm I'm okay to. I've come to terms with it a year later. Uh, that this is something that I said, but at the time I meant it, and at the time I was very very wrong. Uh, so as we often are around yeah, here, we, Zach, I I appreciate. It. I look forward to. Um, you know, I, I hope the stories aren't always so sad up on the Athletic Cleveland site. You know, hopefully, you get a chance to write a few uplifting tales as the uh, as as the year goes. Yeah, there'll be some positive zooms somewhere along the way. I mean, maybe. <laughs> All right, Zach, I appreciate it, man, and uh, enjoy the game on Thursday, and we'll catch up with you later this year. Thank you. All right, always great to hear from Mr. Jackson, who has had the wonderful experience. I, I enjoy how jaded he is from covering the Browns for this long. Like, I really do. I mean, 
you have you have no other choice. I did see the quote from him. I believe it was on Twitter that he uses over and over again. And this is the life we've chosen, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's what you are. You know, you you just gotta roll with the punches and uh, know what you see. Again, it's the same story in Cleveland, though. It's more turnover, more first year in a system. Con- you know, conversations. I mean, thirty games and four coaches is just. I can't even wrap my brain around that. Uh, Hugh seems so long ago. <laughs> Hugh, you in there? <laughs> uh, all right, let's go ahead and uh, let's go. Did we, have a, did we have a growler bet? Growler bet for this week? Nobody. No, Sixty-six point one was our growler bet number. Uh, everybody was hit. Was way over that. Uh, much more optimistic Bengals fan base than what it turned out to be. Uh, so. No winners from the growler bet from the first week, which it was basically a one in a thousand shot. So uh, probably what we anticipated, but still uh, growler bet for this week. What do we got, Jay? Well, let's let's keep the Randy Bullock theme going. We we could do just Randy, or we could do Randy and Parky. It'd be field goal yardage made total minus field goal yardage missed total. So Sunday, Bullock's number would have been 93 minus 31, so it would have been 62. He made a 50 and a 43, missed a 31. So you, you want to bring in both kickers for this, or you just want to go with Randy? I think we need to bring in both kickers. All right. This is this. P8, do we count PATs as plus 33 or no? We should no because PATs. there was a lot. There was five PATs missed this week. That was the most of the last 20 <laughs> years in week one for, for everybody. And 33, real close to 31, by the yes, way. Exactly. Yes, exactly. So I say let's bring in PATs as a plus 33 uh, in this as well to give us our final number. All right. That, this, is, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go plus 175. Plus 175? Yep. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, I am going to go um, – p- pause this cam. I got to do math here. No one wants to hear me do math in my head. <laughs> I know. I was trying to do it super quick. Yeah. Um, yeah, the PATs makes it has makes me have to change it. Uh, all right. So I'm trying to do my final score math because I have 24. So – 60, that's going to be 99 and a field goal of, let's say, let's say another 31 uh, would be 130 for Randy. And then 20 would be a couple of short guys. We'll say 70 and 66, 133. Two sixty six. What did you say? One seventy five. Oh yeah. Well, I need a miss in there, don't I? <laughs> I need at least one miss. I, at least, I say two misses. So we'll say seventy one ninety four. Okay. <clears throat> all right. So with all the math done in my head, one ninety four will be my number because I'm trying to stick with my final prediction, which we'll get. So we, we hashtag Bengals growler bet to us that you can either hit us up on Twitter uh, or you can send me an email P Daner D E H N E R at the athletic.com. Uh, if you're not uh, wanting to go on Twitter, which God bless you, you deserve it. You deserve all the, all the happiness in life. Uh, so send us your final number, Bengals growler. But I'm not going with two this week. Just one single growler. It's the it's the boo, but we're not celebrating that hard. No decimal points. Uh, no decimal points. Easier. It's just it's just a number. Never know. Maybe it'll be zero. A six, a six zero win. One touchdown and a missed P. Oh, that'd be minus thirty three. Zeros zero is almost impossible to do. You should- but if they go for two, there could be a go for two. You- An eight nothing win for somebody would get us. We get you not zero. Maybe so maybe play, we'll split it. If if someone picks a negative number and hits it on the nose, they will get two growls. You buy them one, I'll buy them one. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's fine. I like that. Negative in play though, for sure. So uh, send us that and send us your bets, and uh, we we love to hear from you as always. All right, prediction time: Bengals, Browns, Battle of Ohio, Thursday night football, two juggernaut organizations. Coming up against each other in the national spotlight. Jay, what you got? 
Randy Bullock from 51 at the gun. Bengals 19, <laughs> Browns 17. Bullock from 51 at the gun. That's a bold claim right there. That's that's shooting your shot. You knew you had to go with the long distance field goal. Yeah, he's not going to make the short one. No. Uh, I. I so we're both going to be here picking the Bengals, huh? <laughs> wow. I'm sticking with my preseason prediction that I had. I had, uh, and I actually had a high amount of confidence in it. I just kind of like this spot for the Bengals. I. I I did think the Browns would struggle early. I did not think they would lose 38 to 6 in Baltimore. But I I like the one game under the Bengals belt uh going up there uh with sort of a new team. I like the confidence they have from having beaten them last year. Um I, I think I like Burrow in a in a spotlight game. Um I think he's he's going to show a little big stage to him. I think they learned a lot from Sunday. And uh, and I have a win. I have a win in 24-20. I don't need a bullock at the gun. I just have them win in 24-20, the prediction I had from preseason. So we'll see if it holds up. All right. Thursday night, we'll be back with you with the walkout after the Thursday night game. So look for that Friday morning. Uh, and uh, with all the reaction we have from that and then uh, all of our coverage from that game on Thursday. Hope you check it out. Hope you subscribe to The Athletic, all the stuff, Jay's final thoughts, uh, my story on the uh, LSU implementation in the 4A and the 5 wides up on the site right now. Also, $1. One, $1 right now are the best subscription offer we've ever run, dollar a month. Uh, so hop on board. This is the time to do it. Um highly recommend you i also tracked every movement of joe burrow on sunday and kind of took a deep dive into exactly what he did and some of the communication uh that he had and it's kind of interesting who he is as as a sort of a not talking to anybody guy on the sidelines right now um but that whole story also up on the site you can get all of that access to everything including all the rest of our teams sports on other continents Premier League's underway now. Our Everton riders are incredible, and Everton's going to win it all. They're going to win the league. They won their first match. They got all kinds of guys. It's fantastic. Uh, I had to get that out. I have no idea what anyway. you're talking about. It's fine, Jay. <laughs> uh, all right. So anyway, we will uh, we will talk to you on Thursday. Hope everybody uh, enjoys the game. Have a good week, and uh, we'll talk to you later.